Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Take command here on Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That's Logan Paulson. Uh, Let's get into the film room and let's get into the front seven. You spent some time over the weekend breaking down Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Big overarching takeaways. What's what's the big thing that stood out when you watched those guys? I'm guessing you were watching them from last year because yeah. Chase not practicing right now. Montez well, I've watched, obviously I've watched so Montez at OTAs. But yeah, but, Montez and OTAs, but but I know you went back into some game film as well. Yeah, so I watched the majority game film. I watched probably three games on each guy, and then I watched all like their impact plays, you know. And so what I'd say is that like um Let's start with Chase, I guess. Like the the first off, they're both physical freaks. Like when you watch them, like they just they're there's very few human beings that can do what they can do. And so what I will say is I think kind of to their detriment is they rely on that physical skill set almost too much, right? Like you look at Montez, he's got, I didn't realize this, but he has 35 and three quarters inch arms, which would have been the longest arms by a defensive player at the combine this year. And everyone was talking about Trayvon Walker and what a freak Trayvon Walker was. But like here you have Montez Sweat, who's taller, ran a faster 40. Obviously some of the short agility stuff wasn't quite as good, but like you see that, that physical skill set of Montez on tape. And he's got a tremendous long arm and he uses it. And when he uses it, it's like you can't really stop it because no one can even touch him. But he's going to that well almost every single play. You know what I'm saying? And so, mm-hmm. like, one of the things as, as, as a tackle, as a guy who coaches pass protectors, is I'm always telling pass protectors, you need to dictate to the rusher. Don't let them dictate to you. And a good pass rusher will dictate – to the to the pass protector what i mean by that is like let's just say um you know it's third third down third and seven right on the rush before i've used my long arm right so maybe this time i'll show him a long arm to get the tackle to settle his feet and then i'll attack the outside hand and run around the corner montez and chase two they don't do that they don't kind of play chess with their rush they don't stack rushes and like when you go when you watch like von miller uh you know his pass rush camp and demarcus where is there all they're talking about is how to get how to dictate to the tackle. And right now, both of them are relying on just being physically better than everybody to get their pressures and to get their sacks. Now, it's crazy because Montez over like eight games or seven games, whatever he played, had five sacks. 
So if he plays mm-hmm. a full season, he'll probably get 10 right. just off right. of like some, some nonsense. Like I'm going to use my long arm every single rush and you can't stop it. And there's a precedent for that. Cause like, that's what Ryan did. Ryan Kerrigan, he knew he was going to get 15 rushes in a game or 20 rushes in a game. And I'm going to use my long arm and you're going to screw one of these long arms up and I'm going to get a sack. And I think Montez is kind of operating in a similar way and it's, it can, it just could be so much better if he even had like one variation move off of what he does, because the one thing he does is damn near unblockable when he hits it. So like, if I can have this one kind of ace in the hole and then this slight variation off of this, like he could have, he could be like a 20 sack a year guy just from that thing. It's just about, can he learn to do that? Now Montez, let's just finish this conversation about Montez is yeah. maybe the best run defender on the team. So they play this really unusual, not unusual, a lot of teams do it, but it's been popularized over the last 10 years of like a gap and a half on the edge. So a lot of people think, oh, I'm playing the edge. I need to get my hat outside the blocker, just hold the edge and make the back cut back. People don't like that anymore. Like DeMarcus Ware, Alden Smith, what they would do is they'd attack the inside shoulder, press the offensive player back, use the Mm -hmm. offensive player's body to make the running back cut back, and then they would make the tackle in the C gap or the inside gap there, the B gap if it's the tackle. So... He is outstanding at that, just setting a vertical edge. And then sometimes the back will even get balls in, like bubble back around, and he's fast enough to run to the sideline and make that tackle. So in terms of being where he's supposed to be in the run game and playing with good physicality, like he's probably the best. And it's and it's his skill set, his physical tools lend itself to that. Like those arm, that arm length is so important for that defensive player. Yeah, and there's a couple of things with Montez that he w- his rookie year was my last year on the beat. So I, I got to watch him up close for a full season. Obviously, been watching him on TV ever since, right? Yeah. And there's a couple of things that stood out then that still stand out now. And the run defense is one thing for sure. Yeah. Like, and, and just like you said, you know, obviously I covered Ryan and, you know, you'd look up at the end of the year and he'd have 11 sacks and go to the Pro Bowl. And you're like, did he have a good year? I don't mm-hmm. know, but he, I guess... 11 sacks is that's that's a that's a good bad year if it was a bad year um you know and so there's a little bit of that with montez but on the on the plus side one he's so hard to run against like his side is almost dead uh, uh, on on run stuff and two you can't screen him either and and that that especially in the modern nfl where when you have uh so much of quick release trying to get the ball out quick um his length is and his vertical is really, really impactful because yeah. one, if you can get the ball over him, him he'll knock down you know ten passes mm-hmm. a year. Um, but w- if you get it over him, he's so fast that he will go out and tackle. Like forget a running back screen, he will go out and tackle the receiver behind the line of scrimmage. He'll get off that block, and when the receiver jumps to come back inside, assuming the corner sets an edge. Montez is right there. And so that's really valuable. Nevertheless, getting his hands up on slants and some of that other stuff um, where he's had a big impact. But um, I think it's really interesting, obviously, as you said, and this I'm sure will will transition quite nicely into Chase, like the the lack of pass rush uh, diversity, but also the lack of pass rush understanding of like, you know, hey, if I just did this one thing, make our team more effective, uh, I myself would get more sacks and and that seems to play into some of the stuff that we saw last year with the, and I feel like this was a bigger issue with chase than it was with Montez, but the selfish plays as Ron would yeah. tell you, um, and, and some of the lack of discipline comes from just not really having a full picture of how his rushes impact the other four guys on the line or a blitzer. If, if they're in the, in the way or in the mix. And, and I think that elevated understanding 
would also lead to some elevated moves. Like, oh, I see what's happening here. If I yeah. do 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 thing A, thing B is set up. Next time I got him, thing B. And, and yeah. I think that would make a huge impact on a team scale and also obviously on an individual scale for not only Montez, but for Chase. Yeah, so I think the thing with Montez is you, in terms of selfish play, you think, I think you see a guy who knows where he fits in the defense. You know what I mean? And it doesn't lead to a lot of like, super um flashy sexy stuff from him he's like i'm in my gap i'm rushing my gap but it's in in the context of the defense it's advantageous right and so chase i think when i watch him i get the sense that he's a much more like intuitive football player like i'll see him kind of identify a formation he'll slide down a gap tighter because he knows it's run away and then stunt on his own and make a tackle for loss right and so you see him doing that kind of stuff all the time. He'll be on a stunt. He'll feel something's happening and then he'll just get vertical and make a tackle. Right. And so you love that, right. You love when that's successful. You love when, um, that's pl- that, you know, that you get those plays, you get those tackle losses, you get tackles, whatever it is, but also like it kills you at times. Right. Cause he, he does gap release, you know, and I mentioned the gap and a half thing that Montez does so well, chase does not understand it or doesn't get it or doesn't want to do it. I think it's probably, he doesn't, get it because it's a very unusual technique because like there's a lot of times where you know like your whole life playing defensive end you've set the edge you've set the edge you've set the edge now you're kind of setting the edge but you're also playing the c gap and I, I can tell he's not comfortable with it and as a result like it leads to running lanes that aren't supposed to be there necessarily so i think understanding that and also <clears throat> he as a guy and as, as a pass rusher who like the more i watched him i was like man i don't know if he totally understands like what he's doing it's just everything about him is so i don't say raw because he does have this really nice football intellect but it's just not old man winter here if i had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex (laughs) heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived Spring Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Refined to the point where it needs to be for him to be getting a lot of sacks, right? So he's like, let's just talk about his rush angle, right? Go ahead, Jay. Go ahead. Uh, oh, yeah. So uh, my question, I guess, on, on upon hearing that would be, how much of it is not understanding this system, right? Like he was great at Ohio state and he may have understood what they wanted him to do there. Obviously it was not going to be as complex at the college level as it was at the pro level, but you know, a football intellect, but also not getting it. Those two things don't seem to jive. So like, where's the disconnect, you know, right. Yeah. Is it, is it that he was and we talk about this sometimes with new quarterbacks on offense. Right. And I remember talking to Mark Sanchez about this when he was here. Uh, because he came in and had to learn the playbook really, really quickly. And they, there's a famous story that, you know, we reported on the time. He's, he told it on Fox a couple times last year that, like, Kevin O'Connell, as the offensive coordinator, was basically translating uh, Jay's yeah. plays over to what Mark knew when he was with the Jets because Kevin was there with the Jets with him as well. And so kind of that same thing where, like, 
you know, whether it's play calls or concepts or whatever, but he was coached very specifically maybe to do thing A all the time. This is your rule. And he took that to heart and was like, this is my technique. This is how I do it. Now, are they asking him to do something else? And it's just, he can't kind of can't overcome that built-in instinct. He's got so, to, that's being a professional. But like, right. I, I guess my, my question is kind of like, where's the disconnect between the good football IQ that you see in some of these instinctual plays that allow him to yeah. make game-changing plays and the down-in, down-out consistency where you're like, do you actually know what's going on at all? So what I would say is that like with this gap and a half thing, just as an example, because that's like what they do, right? Is it doesn't intuitively make sense. You're in a right. defense where everyone has a gap, right? So when I ask my coach and I say like, who has the D gap? And they're like, oh, someone has the D gap, but you have like C to D secondary, right? That doesn't make any sense. Like when you, when you, when you say right. it out loud, it doesn't make any sense. When you see it executed, it makes sense. But when you say it out loud, it doesn't make sense. So I think in, I would assume, I haven't talked to him about it, but I would, I would assume intuitively that's very, very challenging for him to kind of like, I have the, like, who's got the D gap? And like, no one's got the D gap. Like you have the C gap to the D gap late. That does, in an eight man front or in a, or in a gapped out defense, that makes zero sense. Cause there has to be an edge defender. There has to be someone to set an edge in the defense and then everybody's gap falls in by after that. But no, you are you. Everyone else is playing one gap, and you're playing a gap and a half in this defense. It's like think about that. That's like a, it sounds like a yeah. weird counterintuitive thing. No, it doesn't make any sense at all. But if you're if you play the technique correctly, then it makes sense in the defense, and you have to see someone do it. So when you watch Montez do it, just as an example, you see how impactful that technique is on the defense, right? Because let's say John's a little late to his gap, or Jamin's like a little late to the to to, to run to the football. Now you have kind of the best of both worlds. You just, it's really hard to play the technique. And Montez is a physical freak, so it's easy for him. But like for Chase, you can tell he gets a little high. He's looking around. He doesn't understand quite how to do it because it's an unconventional technique. And I think about the best guys to do it that I played against. They all were like 34, 35 inch arm guys with great length who could play with good vision because they could keep the blocker off of them. That's what Montez has. Chase has fine arm length. I think it's like 33 and three quarters, but it it's harder with shorter arms because the tackle can kind of envelop you and you takes away your vision. The other thing Chase does, he plays a little bit high. So guys can get into him and kind of get after him a little bit. And I think that can also make that gap and a half setup a little bit more challenging as opposed to saying, I'm on the edge. This is my gap. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I, also, like, I don't know, maybe I'm going too far into my coach brain here, but like, I also wonder about like learning styles and things like that, where yeah. like if Chase is someone who can get things explained to him and then go do them, that's great. Except for when the thing being explained to you, like if he's an auditory learner, yeah. doesn't make any sense at all. Right. You're like, and like, like as and opposed I've, to like, if a guy like Montez is a visual learner, he's, they show him some tape into Marcus Ware doing it. And he's like, okay, I got it. And he goes out in the field and yeah, does it. Like, right. this is the hard part about coaching, right? Like this is, this is a larger point about coaching yeah. when you have 90 guys on the roster, like you do right now is you have to, as a coaching staff, provide learning opportunities for a bunch of different guys who all are going to learn in different ways. Yeah. And if you can't successfully, as a coach, coach to guys who learn auditorily, visually, tactile, you know, whatever it yeah. is, then you're not, gonna, you're not a very good coach. Like, you need to be able to, to get through to all of those guys to unlock their talent. And you also just kind of wonder potentially if Chase is learning style. And again, I'm going to be very specific here. That's not like a learning deficiency. No, it's not like no. Chase is stupid. Like we're talking about his intellect and his intuition that allows him to do special things that very few right. guys in the league can do. But 
if you have a learning style, the way you intake information doesn't match with your coach there, that disconnect can be the difference in you being successful and not. And, you know, you got to wonder how, how much of that could be at play too. If something in this concept is really, really complicated when explained in certain ways. Dude, 100%. And, and I think it speaks to his analytical mind. You know what I mean? You see him like back to me in the gun. It means run away usually. Right. So he'll tighten his split. Like he's a smart dude. No doubt. He's very yeah. smart. Right. This does not make sense. It doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. Like it makes sense. Like if you really get back, but everything, it's not a bad scheme though. I think, I think it's important yes. to say that too. Yes. Like, right. Cause you can see it on the other side with Montez. It's not like yeah. we say it doesn't make sense. It's, it's hard to explain. Well, and if you have certain rules and principles based off of other schemes, which are more common, yes, then it does. You're like, that doesn't make any sense. That's not going to work. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, okay, it yeah. does work. It's just, you got to, you got to have that, that click moment. And I want to be clear. Like the reason it doesn't make sense is because most defenses, most defenses like this, they're, you're the contained player, right? So when they get this kind of half speak, this nuance to the position, which is usually so binary, it is a little bit confusing, but yeah. So that, I think that's one element of his game that could be improved upon. And like, again, that's mental, that's coaching. There's a lot of layers there, right? Is his physical skill set right for that kind of defense? I don't know. But again, you see a little bit of that playmaker. And then as a pass rusher, he wants to win inside all the time. He's trying to set up to beat you with an inside move, which is fine if the defense is accounting for it. So, you know, how I think Coach Ron Rivera mentioned a lot of times last year, like their selfish play, right? So if you watch the Buffalo game, for example, he was able to set up kind of with a little stutter step, which everyone was crushing him for, myself included. But he was able to win inside quite a bit, right? And then... Josh Allen is able to just kind of step around and then create all this time because he's he's voided the pocket. And so his rush evolved to kind of attacking the upfield shoulder of the tackle and then diving in late and kind of collapsing the pocket, which, again, that's a good move. That's the right intuitive rush plan. But if you look at it from like a long-term plan, if I'm coaching that tackle, I'm going to say set vertically. He's going to bully you at the top of your rush. Get ready. And just set your feet when that happens. And when I talk to O-line coaches, I got a lot, a lot of friends who are O-line coaches. I said, what do you think of Chase? What do you think of Montez? It's like, you know, Montez is a problem because of the arm length. But if you can get your guy to understand that they are doing one thing, you can beat him. Anybody can beat him. They got to block one pass rush move. So I think that's the other thing is like the reason that Chase is kind of in this box of one pass rush move is because his his start is a little bit loose. And what I mean by that, he takes a little bit of a false step. Now, he's one of the most explosive human beings on the planet, so he's able to overcome and still be in the rush, but it could be better if he's not taking a false step. His angle is very vertical up the field as opposed to, like, we're talking five degrees. If he's five degrees tighter, he's stressing the tackle now. You know, and those right. are little things, but he's so freaky that he can get away with kind of this looseness to him. But if you watch Vaughn, if you watch DeMarcus, if you watch um, uh, TJ Watt, if you watch JJ Watt, they understand how important the rush angle is. They understand how important the timing is. And it's super, super tight. It's almost like a dance, right? And you can tell they you can tell like when those guys screw up their rush, they almost just give up because they're like, I don't, I don't got it. Um, they still rush, but it's like, I didn't hit my third step on time. I'm gonna just kind of I'm gonna serve energy. One. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah, get next down. Yeah. And because I messed up my rhythm and timing. Chandler Jones, same thing. So he doesn't have that. He's just running up the field and then he gets to a point he says i'm too deep i need to get inside and he attacks the guy's inside shoulder and it works because he's big he's fast he's physical 
but there needs to be a level of nuance for both of these guys, quite frankly, to make them go from good B, B plushes players to like that elite pass rusher, right? Where guys are sweating at night knowing they have blocked these guys. And to be fair, teams respect them as rushers because every single third down they get chipped, every single one, right? So obviously mm-hmm. there's a respect for them and their physical skill set. And like what they're doing is very, is good, but it could be. It could go from good to great. And I think that's the thing that's frustrating when you watch them is it's very, very close to being great. Yeah. So how does it improve? Is it just experience? They get more yeah. coaching. They they get more reps. And ultimately, it you know they figure out some things, whether it's on their own or their coaches get through in, in a certain way. Is that how it gets better? Because so I mean, the other thing, too, is they're super young. Right, like Montez so, is now going into year four, uh, which you know is starting to get near near what you'd hope would be his prime, um, and then Chase is year three asterisk because he misses most of last year with the ACL injury, and we'll right. see when he even gets on the field this year when in terms of timeline of his recovery. Right, and I think that's the that's the to me this is where a veteran in the room becomes extremely advantageous. You go out, you find a guy who's at the end of his rope. He's not going to contribute that much, but he is an excellent pass rusher. Excellent. Like I remember when they brought Dumerville in, you know, for Brian Arakbo and Ryan Kerrigan. This was mm-hmm. in 2014, something like that, 15 maybe. And the stuff that they see and the stuff that they know after having a 10-year career of having 10 plus sacks every year is elite. Like I remember like listening to Dumerville talk and he was like, Oh yeah, like I don't watch the ball. I watch Robert's knees on the snap. And I was like, why? Because like Robert's knees concave right before the snap comes. So I just go on that. And it's like, oh, I know, like when it's, um, I know when when the slides to me because I watch the center's eye. You know, just little stuff like that, and that makes you a better pass rusher because you can anticipate what's going to happen, right? <clears throat> and I think he would be able to say, hey, man, your your rush angles, too. and because of his experience and because of his his pedigree, the guys listen to him. Like some of the most important coaching I got was not from a coach, but from other players. You know what I mean? It was from Chris Cooley. It was from uh, Lee Vickers, a guy that no one knows about. But you know all these different guys in my career who, who gave me, you know, uh, Schumann was a guy that no one even knows about, but he helped me with my route running. And they were veterans who were near the end of their careers, who came in for a couple of weeks, like training camp, OTAs, whatever, and just dropped incredible knowledge. Right. And I think about that and I think that's what they need right now. You know, the voices of the coaches, sometimes that doesn't work. They need someone in there that they respect that can make them better players. And to me, that if I was a coach, I would really look hard at that and say, like, look at the tight end room. Like right now, we're going to talk about them in a second, but like they have three dudes who are developing at a meteoric rate. And I think that's Castillo deserves a lot of credit, but also Logan Thomas deserves a lot of credit for that. You know what I mean? And I yeah. think that's what this group needs. They need someone who can come in and mentor edge play. And I think that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe on Thursday or sometime soon, we'll take a look at some free agents or, uh, if you're listening out there, you, you have the internet. So, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Google the same as we are. Yeah. Tweet Craig, uh, some names. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do that at Craig Hoffman. If you want to hit Logan on social media at Logan underscore Paulson 82 on Instagram.